Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. Uh, this week, I'm catching up with someone who I met while I was in Sydney. His name's uh, Rob Zagula. He's a uh, assistant for Shepherd Ferry, and he just helped, helps out with all his murals and all these other bits and pieces. And I, um, I got chatting to him and you know, had a couple of beers and found out he's a really interesting guy with a, a rich history within the arts. He hasn't just um, assisted Shepherd Ferry, but also Tristan Eaton and you know, um, Cleon Peterson and the other artists out there. And it's, I was really blown away with, um, you know, with the life he's lived within the uh, art world. But before I get into the interview, just want to let you know I'm uh, taking a couple of weeks off. It's come to that time of year where I, I'm taking a break. I take two breaks a year. But, um, you know, during those two weeks, you know, check out some of the, the back episodes of the podcast. There's some great interviews in there. But when I'm back, I'll be back with some uh, really good interviews. I've got a couple pre-recorded, some um, big shows that I'm looking forward to putting out there. I'll also be in Bali once I'm uh, back on air. So there'll be some podcasts coming to you from over there. But for now, uh, here's my interview with Rob Zagula. Uh, this week I catch up with uh, artist, filmmaker and also part of Shepherd Fairy's Obey team, Robert Zagula. How you going, Rob? Hey, Tom. How's it going? Good, mate. Good. Thanks for uh, taking the time to uh, sit down and have a chat. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks for asking me to do this. That's no, good. It's good. Like I, um, like I met you a couple of weeks ago when in Sydney when uh, I was up there for the Vivid Festival and you were working with Shepherd Ferry on all these uh, multiple projects. You know, um, like that was a a lot of lot of work that you guys were doing up there. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, um, well, it was one of the largest murals we've done, and I believe it's Sydney's largest um, public mural. And um, <clears throat> it was uh, it was like thirteen stories tall, and um, you know, we we prep it at the studio where we we get the size of the building, and Shepard scales it up to size, and then um, we. We print it out on on an oversized copier, basically. Just um, it's 36 inches wide, and then it goes down, you know, as long as the roll of paper is, which is, uh, you know, hundreds of feet. But uh, I think this one specifically was about a uh, hundred thirty feet tall. And then it, we just um, after each uh, section prints out of the wall, it's kind of like putting up wallpaper. But uh, at the studio, we cut it down to four foot squares and then label those squares um, basically with a, a letter and a number to keep them in order. And, and when we get to the wall, finally, we uh, pull all that paper out and use some Super 77 spray adhesive, which is a temporary tack that you apply to the paper and then kind of uh, put it up on the wall like a grid the way uh, it was laid out and um, slice out all the um, image with with an exacto blade and spray it in with some spray paint and then basically work your way down the wall this wall was so massive that we had three um, swing stages set up so we actually had to just uh, go up and down three times uh, and also we were only allowed um, two per lift there was um, <clears throat> usually we have four people on a lift like that. But there was a weight restriction, and they only let two on at a time. But it, I think it helped out because it it um, had a section um, 
two sections working at a time and then we had to finish the third section um after those first two were done but we uh we were we were running out of time it was uh it was tight um we were there for a week and uh it took us um about five almost six days to finish that thing yeah it was massive yeah it was pretty quick i was uh, i was watching from um the building opposite i had uh had access and i was pretty uh pretty happy to be able to sit there and watch it all happen and it was like a nice. big, big printer if you know what i mean like just working from the top and like zzz, like just, exactly and, yeah, and it's yeah. all just, the, the images is coming <laughs> coming through yeah but you guys had um you guys had uh people come in and lay down all the base coat for you before you arrived didn't you yes yeah and that's that's one of the colors usually we work with three three colors shepherd being a stencil artist and he's you know familiar with screen printing and stuff like that he um he sets up his files to use um minimal amount of colors um but to give it that punch you know um but one of the colors is the base coat so yeah somebody came in there um as soon as they set up the swing stages and um rolled it on for us Hmm. uh which saves us you know uh like two or three days uh because you got to put it on and then let it dry for a day you know and something that size is uh takes takes a little while you know so yeah i um i heard shepherd mentioned that um they got the uh sizes wrong of the wall as well is that right yeah you know it's weird it happens often they they usually um they take the plans of the building before it was ever built and um take the measurements off those um but then it ends up being that they didn't even build it to the right size so there it's always off like 30 or 40 feet in this case it was uh off about 13 feet um so um we we had to uh start the whole thing up higher um we we gained about four or five feet there and then it kind of sliced off the bottom but it still looked good. I thought. You, I don't think anybody would ever notice. Yeah, it's it's often the way when um, art's been modified in one way or another. No, no one really notices. Like I've exactly. I, yeah, I've had a, uh, a fr- like a framer sort of shave a bit off the side of one of my paintings. Like um, it was done on a wooden panel just because it didn't fit the frame properly. I didn't notice. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So um. Like what? What other stuff were you doing up in Sydney? Were you there just to help with the mural? Yeah, there just to help with the mural. Um, we uh, also had um, a gallery opening, um, and uh, we all installed some art around Spice Alley. Um, I helped with that, and um, yeah, just uh, just I was trying to see a kangaroo, but I, I didn't get a chance to. Um, I heard the Outbacks a couple hours away, like ten or twelve hours away. Uh, and I, I would feel weird to go see it at a zoo or something like that. People were telling me to eat a kangaroo steak, but I uh, felt weird about that too. No, they're good, man. You gotta try them. <laughs> <laughs> if I feel like I'm posing with like a, a dead lion or something, and if, if I tell anybody I ate a kangaroo steak, yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, you gotta uh, you gotta get out out of Sydney if you want to see a kangaroo. They're not exactly hopping around the, the center of town. Yeah, I, I thought it was more the outback, but it's it, it seems like more of a big city, uh, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is this your first time to Australia? Yeah, it was the first time to Australia. It kind of reminded me of London, uh, where there was a lot of pubs everywhere, and London-style, I guess, English-style pubs, uh, which was really cool. Um, and yeah, I mean, the harbor and the opera house and the harbor bridge... 
uh, you know, Vivid um, Festival was going on at the same time, and they had this crazy projection going off on um, the Opera House, which is which was really beautiful. I, I went out on the bridge and watched it one night and and filmed some stuff. It was great. Ah, nice one. Um, yeah, because I noticed you were getting around with the you know, d- taking a bit of footage here and there. Were you um, yeah. Were you documenting anything for um, or was it just for yourself? Just for myself. Um, sometimes I'll do a time lapse of us painting a wall or something like that. But um, we had Furlong there with us this time, and he was he was doing all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the photographer for uh, Shepherd's photographer that usually travels with us. We also um, the, the team that travels with us is uh, John, the photographer, uh, Nick Bowers, uh, Dan Flores. Nick's been there for like ten years. Dan's been there for like fifteen years, and then Shepherd. It's usually four of us painting um, together, and and usually we break up into two teams, two and two. Yeah. So it's the same. Yeah. It's the same team all the time. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's been the same team for about the last five years now. Yeah, and and how long have you worked for Shepherd? For about um for about five. It's it's a uh, four and a half years now. Almost you know um I as of March it's been four years. Yeah. So so I'm the new guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> everybody else has been there for a, a lot longer. Got got a loyal crew. It's good. Yeah. 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 Guess yeah. everyone knows their role and it gets things done. Because I've noticed, like, just from seeing the big operation that was going on there, not just the mural, but also, you know, the talk he did and the exhibition and just all the other bits and pieces. It's like, um, it's you know, it takes a lot of people to do all that work. You can't just do it one person. It's it's impossible. Yeah, and I, I think it's really good uh, to delegate all that stuff, which uh, Shepard's really good at. And um, but yeah, um, the talk was really fun too. Um, yeah, it was a really good trip. Uh, I, 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 I Cindy's really great. Yeah. Um, so ha- like, how do you feel being like behind the scenes, creating art for someone else? Do you, do you, um, sort of long to put your own input in or anything like that? Or are you happy just sort of, um, like working for someone? Well, um, g- you know, growing up, um, I, um, I was uh, I moved to New York, and um, when I was in New York from about um, 2001 to 2007, I would see all these posters popping up of his face, and I wasn't sure what the fuck it was, but I thought it was really cool. And then I I, uh, I looked it up, and I, I noticed it was this guy Shepard Ferry doing it, and he had all this other artwork. And I went on eBay, and I bought some posters. I totally got ripped off, but. Um, um, <clears throat> they're worth money now, and so I was uh, I was a fan of his um, before I started working for him uh, in 2012. So I, I noticed his stuff, you know, um, ten years earlier in the city, and I started collecting his art. So I was, um, and then I, I started working um, in the art uh, art fields for different artists, and uh, would meet him on the road and um, say hello and um, eventually when I, I moved to LA uh, I was uh, able to um, score a job with him which which was you know like a dream come true so it feel I feel honored to work with, with him and you know um, just to be able to travel the world and um, <clears throat> it's amazing to yeah. see everything and and everything's you know um, I wouldn't be able to do it myself um, because flights and everything are so expensive that you know all that's all the rooms and flights and everything's booked for you so it, it makes it 
easy to uh to travel around which is really amazing and yeah i um i'm very um grateful you know yeah. to be part of it yeah no nah, it's awesome it's awesome projects to work on and you know even just watching you guys up on the swing stage it was it was a real uh team effort yeah, yeah 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 totally um i mean in, in, it was uh winter time in sydney so the, the sun would go down around five o'clock, so we had lights uh, going, and we were working through uh, to about seven every night, um, just to you know make sure we finished this fucking thing. Um, and uh, yeah, it turned out great. Yeah, I noticed that um, the stage was just swinging constantly the whole time. Do you get like um, sort of motion sickness or like seasickness from? No, you, you know, you, um, you start using the the motion of the swing uh, to help your cut and stuff. You, you could just like put your blade out there, and the whole thing kind of swings, and you get actually straighter lines that way. But uh, the only thing that happens is when you get off the swing stage at, at the end of the day, you walk around and you have sea legs where everything kind of feels like it's still uh, moving around, which is very weird. It kind of feels like an earthquake once in a while like oh my god did you guys feel that but um it was yeah just just being on the swing stage yeah um but uh i don't it's weird i don't really i'm not afraid of heights or um we're pretty high up there but i guess if you if you don't look down and if you're thinking of other things which which we had so much to do up there that you don't even think about being afraid of falling off although our swing stage was kind of um rigged up weird um usually we have lifelines that come off the roof and if just in case the scaffolding does come down off the building we would be dangling off those lifelines off the roof and this time they had them hooked up to the swing stage itself and which doesn't really make sense to me because if the whole swing stage would fall you would just go down with it but um but yeah it was fine you know you just kind of go with it and uh, hope nothing happens yeah because because <laughs> wasn't uh didn't you know a while ago didn't one come down in hollywood or something like yeah that? A, a good good friend of ours hawks was painting a mural and his assistant um uh was killed in that in that yeah in that accident um but uh yeah i don't know what happened it was just i think a bad cable or something yeah it's it, like i said anything could happen while you're up there but um yeah, you just hope for the best and be positive about the situation and hope positive things come with it, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> got to trust, you know, when it's your time, it's your time, eh? You just got to yeah, yeah, go, exactly. go and live life and do stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah, you can't be living in fear. You can't be afraid, you know? So, uh, yeah, you just kind of go with the flow. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so h how many of these uh, like large-scale mules have you, have you helped Shepherd Ferry with? Holy shit. We, um, man, um, Shepard's uh, on a mission to uh, do 100 of them by the time he's uh, 50. And I think he's about, uh, I don't even know his age, 45 or 44 right now. So um, I think we've been doing about um, 10 a year. So I, I don't even know. I lost count, but I'm going to guess about 30 to 40 we um we've done um because one uh the year i started in 2012 he was on this hennessy tour where he designed the bottle and every time he would um 
introduced a bottle. We painted a mural in that city, and I, I know that's that was like a twelve or thirteen tour city tour. Uh, so yeah, I would say about thirty to forty murals. Which yeah, some of them um, on the smaller side, but uh, a lot of them large scale, similar to Sydney, where we would need swing stages and shit like that. You know, uh, which is a lot faster to paint on um, as opposed to, um, you know, um, a cherry picker where it, it, you, it, you'd have to line yourself up. It takes a little while to move around. Um, so, yeah, swing stages are the way to go. Yeah. And have you guys always use the same approach with like making a big stencil as you go. Yeah, um, luckily Shepherd's art is um, based on you know um, creating these stencils since he's a stencil artist. So um, it, yeah, it's it's we found uh, he used to do a different style where he would wheat paste his murals, and he noticed that they didn't last very long. And eventually, they found out um, found this stencil process, which was very efficient. Um, a lot of people project their murals and kind of trace them out and then draw them in uh, and then fill them in, um, which is kind of double the work because you got to do it twice and wait for it to get dark out. Um, with this process, it's just you, you go there, put it on the wall, cut it out, and you can't really fuck it up. Spray it in. Um, you know, unless the wall is a different size, then you have to kind of move it around. But, you know, it, it usually works out. But, yeah, it's the most efficient process of painting murals that we found. Yeah, because I've, um, I've interviewed a fair few you know, mural artists on this show. And I find that there's a lot of different techniques out there. But um, you know, everyone seems to find a technique that works for them and their, their style of art. It's just really interesting because yeah. I haven't seen um, the, the way that you guys do it. I've never seen that before. A lot of, I've, a lot of people I've spoken to use reference points. And um, right. and some sort of grid, and then uh, you know overlap the image on um in Photoshop on the wall, and then just you know use like the window, and then a little crack in the wall, and all that to to work out where yeah, it yeah, sits. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and you know uh, unfortunately, it's sometimes it it's a little loose. You don't really get a perfect um image on there. Um, so it kind of changed Shepard's art a little bit if uh, if we did do it that way. So I think. The way we found is is actually the best way that suits his heart, art, like you said. Yeah, it's accurate. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Like if I if I was to paint something that size and it had to be perfect, I'd probably use that approach as well. Because I, yeah, yeah. You know, especially totally. when you're doing um, dealing with hu human faces and um, you know things like that. Things that you know if if it's a abstract picture, no one will really notice if something's out of whack. But when you're dealing with um, you know type and um, and human images oh, like yeah. you can't you, you got to get it right <laughs> yeah exactly um you know uh, i um helped cleon paint his first mural and uh we showed him this this technique and he uses the same technique to paint his murals now and uh also um you know i used to work with tristan eaton and um we used to have a vinyl cutter which is a similar process because we would um uh it was, it was a lot cheaper to own a vinyl cutter than a, a stencil machine or which is a laser cutter um probably a quarter of the price so we we would make our paintings um using this vinyl cutter um but um having the vinyl be the stencil so after we would lay down uh you know um the vinyl on top 
after it was cut, we would weed out the negative part and spray spray it in, and then uh, weed out the positive part. Same way, um, you know, Shepard does his paintings, but um, with stencils as opposed to vinyl. Yeah. But yeah, um, Tristan had had a similar technique because he his uh, his work was um, similar, where it was vector based um, and worked out in the computer first, and then you would have to. Um, translate it into uh, you know a bigger version on canvas or something like that or or a sign or whatever medium he was using sometimes we would use wood um but yeah cool you, you mentioned you worked uh with uh cleon peterson as well like what what, what projects have you done with him yeah, you know, Cleon is, used to be Shepard's right-hand man. He was uh, working right alongside Shepard, um, pen-tooling shit, and um, even, like, doing whole, whole projects uh, until he got big enough to um, just do his own art. Uh, and he, he quit about two years ago. But I met Cleon through Obey and... Um, and, uh, and yeah, he's, he's, he's awesome. I love his art. Um, he um he gave me a bunch of screen prints for um for helping paint his murals we we've done uh i i've i've helped him um paint uh i one in um chicago I th oh i i painted one for in in downtown los angeles uh at mordonica which is um a furniture um place that he uh, did a, a collaboration with them he did a couch with them but yeah cleon's awesome man and i, I love his art yeah it's really it's really cool yeah, i'd love to um chat to him one day the, uh, yeah 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 i'll hook you guys up yeah for sure awesome so that um that madonica um place is that where dabs and milo had their um exhibition years ago the, yeah 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 i believe so yeah yep, i believe so yeah they have um um yeah, that that space downtown, and they also have a, a warehouse here in uh, Frogtown where they store all their all their furniture and stuff. I think they they rent it out to a bunch of movie production companies and stuff like that as well. Yeah, um, yeah. So um, so which other artists have you worked with? Because you seem to um, and I know the more I talk to you, the more it comes out. Yeah, work because we only uh, we only really met over a couple of beers in you, Sydney, and uh, you know, you know yeah, you got a lot. To no, say. um. Working with Shepard, uh, I get to meet a bunch of cool artists. I've worked with Retina before where he um, he just got off of surgery and um, he needed help on his mural w when we were doing the Art Line show in Chicago. And uh, I was I was driving his lift while he was painting his letters and it was pretty awesome. Retina's really cool. Um, <clears throat> other than that... Um, yeah, I can't really think of. I, I've met so many artists, and um, I mean, we were we when we were in uh, Berlin, um, we were helping. Um, um, shit, I forget his fucking name. Yeah, I mean, we we um, Ben Ein, sorry, um, he he was running out of time, and we were he was uh, doing. Uh, we were installing some art at the urban nation museum and um he came up to us joking me and nick were uh eating a hamburger at this barbecue we we're at and he's like guys i need your help we're just running out of time we're not going to finish it and me and nick got changed and went to go help him finish painting his uh letters in the in, in urban nation so yeah we 
you know, I get to help a bunch of uh, different artists whenever, whoever needs help, really, uh, I, I offer it up. Cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, if I get a big project, man, I'll... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Let me know. Man. Out no, Back to Australia. Yeah, <laughs> might, might be a few years, but uh, hey, I'm working on it, you know. Thanks, man. Take, take you out to see some kangaroos. <laughs> cool. That'd be awesome. That pouch just freaks me out. I don't know. That little baby hangs out in there for like two years, I heard. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's just Not many uh, animals have pouches like that. No, no. A fair few over here do, though. Yeah. Yeah. Nice yeah. <laughs> do they really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you also, uh, you know, you mentioned that you work with Tristan Eaton. Um, is, is he someone that you worked with uh, a lot before you worked for Shepherd Ferry? Yeah, so when I was in, um, it, when I when I first moved from New Jersey, where I'm from originally, I moved into Brooklyn, and I started working for this this guy Josh at uh, KTV Media. We were making cartoons and shit um, for this um, website called Magic Butter, and so I was helping with animation and production, and um, also we were building websites, and that's uh, where I met Tristan. We were building his website. And um, when I saw that company starting to sink, I kind of jumped and I, I hit Tristan, Tristan up and I asked him if he needed any help. And he said that he doesn't really need help, but if we, if we want to start something new, that would be awesome. And um, when, I, when I first started working with Tristan, we um, started this thing called Trusto Corp, where it was a street art collective where we would go around New York City and remove signs off the street, bring them back in the studio, add some verbiage or kind of change them around, and then go back and put them up in the streets. And um, people would start noticing them, and it was usually some funny shit. Um, and um, then galleries noticed them, and they would um, hit us up. We had a website uh, set up and asked us to, to do shows. And, um, you know, Tristan would design all the stuff and I would be in the studio building it like um, panels and um, doing all the weeding and all, all that stuff that I was talking about earlier. Um, so I had a huge portfolio of stuff that I've made for Trustal Corp to show Shepard when um, w w when I was looking for a job when I was in L.A., which was which was great. But. Yeah, I worked with Tristan for about five years, um, and mostly on on this Trustle Corp project. But I was also his producer for um, his production studio, Thunderdog Studios, and we would have a bunch of client work, um, design work, stuff like that, which was a pain in the ass. And we we were trying to get away from that into uh, just full time art which which did happen um around 2011 where we um worked with opera gallery and they gave us a a hundred thousand dollars up front to put on this show um and uh it was it was awesome because um they would give us like 15 grand a month for the whole summer and we were able to rent a studio not do anything but produce art and uh yeah it turned out to be a great show um yeah that was that was awesome so that was your um your first step into the art world like outside of sort of doing websites and things like that yeah you know um before before um when i was living in jersey i i went to school for electrical engineering and um 
in 2001, um, my whole class couldn't find a job because Lucent Technologies went down. So I, um, I found a job doing whatever I could, which was, uh, I love numbers. So I was doing accounts payable for about six years and I was ready to hang myself. It was just like a nine to five, same shit, different day. And I decided to follow my passion, which at the time was film. And, um, my buddy John Rodriguez was going to film school, so we had access to all these cool cameras and shit. And we made this film called Waking Up, which was a short film. It was about four minutes and 20 seconds. Um, and it um, it was a, a dream se- sequence turned nightmare. Um, and it was just black and white, old school, like, um, uh, you know, wind up camera, 16 millimeter style footage with um and um and when i put it online um this guy josh that owns ktv media offered to buy it and that's that's what may uh and when i met with him he asked me to just be his producer because um my my buddy john rodriguez um wasn't looking to sell sell the footage but we did use it uh and kind of remixed it um a couple years later um, but yeah, that's how I, I got my foot in the door is by actually just quitting my nine to five job, which I was making like $70,000 a year. I was really comfortable and driving an infinity truck and, and, and then, um, I decided to quit that and I was making a thousand dollars a month, which was $12,000 a year, but I was able to live in this kid's loft for free while we were working on stuff. So I didn't really have many bills to pay at the time. So it kind of worked out and eventually started meeting all these artists when I was working with Tristan. And, uh, yeah, eventually we uh, moved out to California to work on a cartoon called Ninja Boombox for Disney. And, um, about two months in, uh, they, they let us know that they weren't looking for, um, cartoons they're looking for more live action and they they fired they fired us so uh that's when um tristan couldn't pay me anymore and i had to uh jump ship and um tristan gave me um uh, he actually talked to shepherd for me and and uh put the phone call together so that's that's how i got the job wow yeah quite mm-hmm. a path yeah totally yeah <laughs> did, did you find the um you know, you had that comfortable job, nice car, all that type of stuff. And then you chucked it all in and you were um, sort of out on a limb exploring, you know, creative mediums and stuff. Did you find that you were happier, like, you know, with less money and more risk and a, a lot more unknown for your future than oh, you were yeah. in the comfortable situation? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, that comfortable situation, I, I, you know, it was just the same old shit, um, different day kind of groundhog's day experience where you just wanted to throw yourself off a bridge but um working in in the arts is is definitely a lot more fulfilling um even though it doesn't pay as much um as you know working at a law firm but um yeah i'm so much more happier and i uh you know just following your passion is i think it's what it what it's about you know um you'll be happy if you follow your passion yeah yeah it's funny i had a i was having a conversation with my wife the other day because we're we're both do you know gone out and following our passions she's a you know yoga and healthness and well-being and i'm into you know art and creativity and we've both both chucked in our like corporate jobs and and done it and we thought 
you know, we're technically retired because um, if we were if we were retired and comfortable with money, this is what we'd be doing with our life. But now, but it's actually the adrenaline of having to you know turn over the income and all that as well. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. it gives you know it gives you a lot of fire in your belly, and it um, yeah, it's a really exciting way to live your life. I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but it does suck when you're broke and you can't fucking pay the bills. Uh, it just makes you depressed, you know. But luckily, um, working with Shepard, he totally uh, hooks us up. So yeah. I don't have to worry, worry about that too much. But I do run out of money. I'm still living paycheck to paycheck, yeah. like most of the people in this world, you know. But, uh, I mean, having fun doing it for sure. Yeah. But I, I, yeah. I believe that there's, uh, it takes a lot to get someone um, out on the street and homeless, you know. So you never, never stress that much. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Have, yeah. You, have you been to uh, many third world countries? Um, you know, w- we went to Johannesburg, South Africa, which when the mural, w- w- the you know, the sun went down, me and Nick, our, blo- our hotel was like three blocks away and they, they stopped us. The guys that set up the mural, they're like, listen, you can't walk around here at night. You're going to get killed. Um, because, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if it's, I don't think Johannesburg is a third world country, but that was probably the closest place that I've been to that was like, holy shit, this is crazy. Like, uh, I went out at night, uh, with a couple friends and, um, there's like fires burning in the street. Um, a bunch of homeless people just kind of gathered around garbage cans. Um, it was pretty crazy. Um, but, um, uh, other than that, it's been, it's been really cool. We go to like, um, you know, Berlin and fucking London and all those big cities paris you know um but um i i want to go to some cool third world countries have you been to any yeah i've been to a lot (laughs) you have (laughs) yeah yeah i spent i spent about five years traveling around and and ticked a lot of them off off but um like one the thing that really struck me was when i was in um india especially i spent a you know a few months there and um just really saw how resilient people are and the living conditions people can get in and it's like wow you know, look how, the, yeah, and they've all got big smiles on their faces. Well, not all of them, right. but a lot of people did. And I Everything think, well, look how these people are living. And, um, you know, like, does, like in, in our society, no matter how bad things get, you know, it's going to take you a lot to get as low as where they are, like as far as like, um, like how they're living their life. Yeah. And, um, you know, you just got to build back up. Like I always say, if, if everything goes really bad, what's the worst thing that happens? You go out and get a job. <laughs> you know? Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and do the nine to five again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just found it's just, it's just been, um, you know, because it's quite new for me living off my art and um, there are fears that come up, but I just, I, I, I'm loving it at the same time. And every time I get, you know, wobbly knees or whatever, he's going, oh shit, is everything going to be all right? It's like, hang on, come on, we got this, you know. Yeah, yeah, I you love know. your art, really awesome it makes me laugh it's really fun <laughs> thanks <laughs> yeah those characters are great ah cheers cheers um so like you're, you're also doing a uh, a movie as well that you were telling me about called um clint eastweed and chili the kid yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Can you tell me a bit about that yeah um well um i got the log line for that and it's um it's a psychedelic cowboy and a stoner friend embark on a cross-country journey into the wild west of marijuana after the green rush. And um, it's basically about his um, um, two guy, two kids that, you know, drive cross-country um, to, to uh, join this 
billion dollar industry of uh, of marijuana and um and you know i i just want to bring bring back um the the good things about marijuana uh because it's it's gotten a such a bad rap over the last hundred years and it's not really that bad of a of a drug you know um just because of um of its renewable resources you know we can make fuel paper housing textiles food oil you know it gives inspiration inspiration it's it's just such a great plant and you know even like cutting down trees and all that shit that we're doing which trees take forever to to grow we could be using hemp um which you know so i'm, I'm trying to get into that industry and um i'm i'm uh, i'm also uh i want to get into the the film industry as well so i'm yeah i'm, I'm writing a movie about that and um, I'm a quarter quarter way through, and I've me been meeting a bunch of people that uh, have been offering to help. So, uh, so yeah, I'm really excited about that. And um, yeah, maybe you know I could be a um, a writer director in the future. Yeah, you know? that'd be a, that'd be amazing. Who knows? You seem to bounce around a bit, don't you? You know. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. That'd be amazing. But yeah, I've been working on that, which has been really exciting. Yeah, because um, I was looking into uh, compostable plastics. It's been something I've been uh, chipping away at in the background, just trying to look at um, uh, alternative ways of uh, producing plastic because I know that they can make compostable plastics these days and you know biodegradable and all that. And um, after you know being to a, a lot of um, third world countries, I've seen the the uh, rubbish problem that's happening in the world and this oh, landfill shit. and just just like just oceans just covered in plastic bottles and seen it all firsthand and it's just it's horrible and um and i was looking at one of the ways that they they can actually make plastic bottles now is um with uh hemp yeah 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 hemp hemp does great um you know um plastics and i think um you know the first model t henry ford with the whole the whole body was built from hemp because it, it, it's it's like a, such a durable plastic and a biodegradable, which is really important, mm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. There's all these um. There's all these different ways of making plastics out of um, out of uh, plant-based matter. But the problem is, is there's one doesn't cure the the problem, if you know what I mean. So if they went to make the world's plastic all out of hemp, they'd run out of water because it takes a, a lot of it needs a lot of water to grow the hemp, you know, and things right, like that. Right. Yeah. So I think there's. Yeah, there's yeah. Yeah, but I think there could definitely be a portion portion of it done. Say, all right, all, right. all everything made out of you know everything that's used for this purpose will use hemp for or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. totally. I mean, I think you know um, the laws around it right now are are crazy, but they're starting to loosen up. in uh, In California, um, January first of two thousand eighteen, it's going to go fully legal. You know, and so I'm curious to see what's going to happen. I would love to open up like a little weed bar where people would come in and it would kind of be like a saloon style place where you could kind of sit at the bar and, you know, have a bartender roll up a joint for you, something like that. And you could just hang out and smoke just like um, a regular, you know, um, bar instead of drinking. But um, yeah, so I'm excited to see what this legalization is going to do. And currently, um, I'm a medical patient, and uh, I'm allowed to grow six plants. So I've been 
I've been growing, I've been experimenting, and um, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been getting some good results. I noticed that um, I, I'm having trouble keeping my temperature in the room down because the lights, when the lights turn on, it gets super hot in there. So having a bigger space, like a two-car garage, would be a, an ideal condition to grow it in. So I've been looking for some garage space, and uh, yeah, I want to get really good at it. So um, it, it could be something that I could be doing for a living, you know, if I open up um, a shop or a dispensary or um, even like a little farm where I could just grow shit. That, that, would, be, that would be amazing, you know, then... Um, just doing that for a living would be, you know, farming would be awesome as yeah. opposed to studio life, which is still great, but, uh, you know, it would be a step up for sure. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> finally, finally working for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's funny when I was um, living in Barcelona a while ago and, um, yeah, while I was there, I, I was a few friends of mine would, um, hop on the plane over to, uh, California and, and go work on the, uh, the weed farms and just be like oh, nice. yeah just be trimming the buds and stuff like that yeah and, that's it's great i think you get paid like 200 dollars an ounce and uh yeah i've heard stories about this girl that they called the triminator and she could do like three ounces in, in like an hour so if you can make 600 bucks an hour doing trimming that that's pretty amazing you know uh that's yeah, I mean, that's something that I would do. I, I've been pursuing it. I've been asking people if they know anybody that needs trimmers just so I could, you know, do it for like a week or two um, just to see what it's all about. Yeah. Um, so if anybody's looking for a trimmer, please hit me up. Yeah, I don't think any of the Australian audience will be uh, hooking you up. There's a, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, I, you know, I've been, doing it, I've been doing it myself at the house and trimming, it's a lot of fucking work, you know, just putting, growing it, and it's, it's a lot of work to do it all. Sometimes it seems easier just to go to the dispensary and buy it, but, uh, but it's definitely fulfilling to see uh, your plant growing and giving, giving it love, and then, you know, when you're smoking it, it gives that love back. It's great. Yeah. No, it's great. So um, getting back to the movie, like, um, is that your, your main focus outside of uh, working for Shepherd? Yeah, uh, you know, when I was working for Tristan, I was pretty much working 24-7 nonstop trying to um, blow him up and uh, Thunderdog Studios. But with Shepard, he's already all blown up. And um, basically at, you know, 7 o'clock, I'm clocked out. And from 7 till, you know, I fall asleep, which is, you know, after working all day long, you're kind of tired. But, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been writing... Um, from about eight till you know, ten um, every night, and um, uh, you know, trying to trying to you know get, get this thing done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can't wait. So, to but see um, it. but yeah, yeah, I do have I do have um, you know s some time on my hands, which is which is really great. Um, working for an established artist like Shepard, you don't have to worry about. Um, anything after work hours yeah yeah cool um so like if people want to find out more about like um like see the murals you've done with shepherd and um find out a bit more about like what you, what it is you do where's the best place for people to see anything online because you don't like directly promote yourself out there 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, if they if, if uh, I usually post all that stuff on Instagram, and uh, my handle is Zagnut Z A G N U T Z, um, so they could see all that stuff there. Um, and then um, uh, I also have a, um, a website for the movie, which is uh, eastweed.com. And uh, I'm, I'm slowly building that up as well. So uh, people go there and check that stuff out. Um, yeah, other than that, I mean, um, yeah, just my email. Yeah. Which is uh, robzagul at gmail.com. Cool. Yeah. If, if anyone's looking for a trimmer. Yeah, if anybody's <laughs> looking for a trimmer, hit me up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Rob. Well, it's been uh, it's been great to sit down and chat with you. And as I said, it's like I was really intrigued to find out more about you because we had, you know, we had a few beers in in Sydney, and we um, you know, touched touched on a few topics, but didn't. I really wanted to delve deeper and uh, and find out a bit more about what it is you do. Awesome. So. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks again for asking me to do this. This is awesome. No worries. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. To find out more about today's guest, go to benchtalkpodcast.com. There you will find all previous episodes and images of the guest's artwork. Also follow us on Instagram, bench underscore talk. There you can keep up to date with all things that are happening with the podcast. Bench Talk's also streaming on SoundCloud and Facebook. Just simply search for Bench Talk Podcast. Or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. While you're there, don't forget to rate and review. It helps get the word out. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to tell a friend. Thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye.